hope you brought your King James Bible. I hope you'll turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, Old Testament, way back by the, right after the first uh, five or six books of the Bible. Uh, Genesis, go forward from the beginning and you'll run into 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number three, please. First Samuel chapter number three. I'd like our folks to look around. If you happen to see someone without a Bible, would you please look right now? And if you see someone, just ask, hey, can I sit next to you? I'd like to share my Bible. I'm sure they will allow you to do that, okay? I need a, brother, um, okay, you're sitting there. Would you sit over next to him? Yeah, would you do that for me, please? You folks look like you have Bible. You doing okay? Good, okay. Shannon, thank you so much. Anybody else? Who? I, I need one of our fellows. I need him. Would you mind sitting over next to him, share your Bible there? That's Mr. LaCourt. That's who that is right there. Uh, I think Laura will be able to survive without you for an hour. Okay, hour and a half. Okay, two hours. Uh, okay. Anybody else? We good? Thank you. First Samuel chapter number 3, verse number 1. Would you stand with me, please, in honor to God's word? I will read aloud. You read silently along with me, but we'll read it together. First Samuel chapter number 3. Once you've located that, starting in verse number 1, we'll read just a few scriptures together, and then we'll go to one other place. First Samuel chapter number 3, starting in verse number 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place that his eyes began to wax dim and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. I'd like you to turn to Leviticus. If you are in 1 Samuel, go backward and you'll run into a bigger book, Joshua. You'll run into Deuteronomy. You'll run into Numbers. Just keep on going. You'll run into Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter number 24. Y'all found that? Y'all found that? Start talking like Brother Pleasure. Have you all found it? Okay. Then please turn to uh, look at chapter 24, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure, uh, pure oil, olive, beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually without the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation. Shall Aaron order it from the evening unto the morning before the Lord continually? It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. And let's pray. Father, help us please this morning. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the eternal word of God. Though heaven and earth pass away, your words will never pass away. They are eternal. So because of that, Father, among many other things, I pray that we will give our undying attention to it, that we'll understand they are not just words in a book. They are God's words, and we must pay attention to it. Please help this morning. Give power to these words, to this sermon. Help, please, 
not for my sake, but for your sake and for the folks that are here. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you. Go ahead. Be seated. Thank you very much. Enjoyed this morning's service and everything. Uh, Boy, I wish there was an easy way to uh, fix problems, don't you? Some magical something. Uh, Remind me of a story. Um, Old farmer and his boy have been to the big city before and decided to take a trip. And so they went in there, and sure enough, they saw this great big old building. And so they walked inside. And while they're standing there in the foyer, they're looking around. They see these two big doors. And this little old lady kind of shriveled, bent over, way up in years. And uh, these doors open. She walked in. The door shut. And they watched these numbers go from zero all the way up to 30. They stood there and they watched this. All of a sudden, the numbers went from 30 all the way down to one, all the way down there. Now watch this. The doors came open, and this beautiful little petite girl come walking out of there. The old farmer looked at his son and said, Go get your mama quick. We're going to run her through this thing. <laughs> Every man in here is going, Where is that place? Um, there is, there's, there's not an easy answer, folks. There's really not an easy answer. I, I, if there was, I'd get me an elevator like that, and I, I'd run myself through there to begin with. But uh, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 3, please. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Uh, you found it there a little while ago, see so if you can't find it again. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. In these two... Uh, parts of scripture here in uh, 1 Samuel and also in Leviticus, uh, something very, very much in common here that we read about, and we're talking about the candlestick, or even more specific, the light uh, on that candlestick here. And so we find out here in 1 Samuel chapter number 3 that there is a child uh, that was left with the old preacher. His name was Eli, verse number 1. And uh, it says, the word of the Lord is very precious in those days. In verse number 2, it said, it came to pass at that time that Eli was laid down in his place. His eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. Now watch very carefully, verse 3. And air, that means interrupted or suspended. So before the light was suspended or interrupted in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. That's very important, where the ark of God was, that Samuel was laid down to sleep. So we find out here, and you go over to Leviticus, you'll read something very similar, that God intended that light to last forever. God did not intend that light to go out. He meant it to burn forever. He said continually over in Leviticus. We read about that. Now, what's the big deal about this candlestick? Well, I don't talk so much about the candlestick as I am about the light and what its purpose was. Please understand, you had a tabernacle. I'm not talking about Solomon's temple. There were lots of candlesticks there. But in the tabernacle, you had uh, everything was in uh, skins. They called them curtains, if you would. And uh, very heavy, very dark inside, beaver skins and all kinds of things that would cover. Very beautiful on the inside. Uh, And what you'd have, you'd have the holy place, uh, which is where these items were found. You'd walk into the holy place, not the holy of holies. 
And you'd walk in there, and what you would see is over here on your left would be the golden candlestick that had olive oil beaten out, the most precious oil in the world, and they would fill this candle up, and it would had seven uh, knobs on top of there. You've seen it, and, and it would burn. Now, across from there, there was a table. It was called the table of showbread or shoebread. And over there, every day, they would put fresh bread out on that table every day. Now, so you had the candlestick here, and you had the table over here. Now, in front of there, before you went beyond this curtain, on the other side of this curtain, on the other side of this curtain was the, if you would, the Shekinah glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, inside of there is where God said, I will be represented, inside, my presence will be represented in there. So I had the candlestick here. Across from the candle, it, it was a small room, wasn't very big at all. I had the candlestick here on my left. I had the table of showbread over here with 12 fresh loaves of bread over here. And just beyond that, before you went into where God himself was represented, you had an altar. It was called the altar of incense. Incense in the Bible is not just when you're smoking dope, you light incense. So get your mind off that, okay? The incense was a picture of the prayers of God's saints rolling up to heaven, okay? So get the picture. I have light over here. I have bread over here. I have an altar here. You follow me so far? This candlestick over here did two things. Inside of here, there were no electric lights. There were no lamps. That was it. That was it. That's all you had right here. Please understand. If that was not lighted and, and shining continually, you could not see the bread over here. This bread over here was set out, listen to me folks, listen to me, fresh every day. Twelve loaves representing all twelve tribes, in other words, everybody. It represented all of them. Now, you could not find your way to that bread if you did not have the light. The bread represents the word of God. The bread represents the word of God. Also, you could not find your way to the altar. You would not know which way it was, what to do when you got there. You could not see. It was a completely, absolutely dark room. So without the candlestick burning brightly, without it burning continually, there was no way you could find your way to these other two very important places before you could come into the presence of God. Are you following me so far? No one could enter into the Holy of Holies. No one could. Where the presence of God was... Now, that's on the other side of the curtain. Over here, I have the lamp. Over here, I have the table. Right here, I have the altar. And just on the other side of this curtain, that when Jesus died was rent in twain. Inside of there, God said, I will dwell there. So before anybody, priest or anybody else, I know only the, 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 the priest could do it, but anybody, there had you had to go through this room to get to that room. Are you following me? Okay, listen very carefully here. So what we have here is the presence of God was represented in that room there. Now, so before a person could come into God's presence, basically what God was saying is, you need to pay attention to the bread and you need to hit that altar right there. Now, that's not getting saved. That was way out here when you gave the sacrifice out in the main area. As soon as you come into that tabernacle, as soon as you came into that, if you would, that tent that traveled with them, the first thing that you did was give sacrifice or you couldn't enter in period. You couldn't go any farther. 
So we find out here, I did a whole teaching on that one time. The light or the fire is typical or a shadow, a type and shadow of, se of several things in the Bible, but two things in particular. One, God's word, and the other one, God's people. Talking about, I didn't say church people, God's people, saved people, okay? Let me tell you, for example, Psalm chapter 119, 105. If you want to write this down, Psalm 119, 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp. Now understand the words and pictures. Inside that room, we had a lamp over here. Across from there, we had bread. They weren't just in there to eat. That bread represented something. If you ever look at the tabernacle, you'll see that it makes a perfect cross in what God designed. So this thing about they didn't know about Jesus in the Old Testament is not true. They absolutely did know about Jesus in the Old Testament. But in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we find out here that the word of God is a lamp and it is a light. If you're writing this down, Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 23. Again, it says, For the commandment is a lamp. The commandment is a lamp, and the law is the light. So again, we see here in type and shadow that that lampstand inside that room represented probably several other things, but mainly, if you would, the Word of God and the people of God. When it comes to the saints of God, for example, in Matthew uh, chapter number 5, verse 14, you remember this, ye are the light of the world. Y'all remember that one? Okay, and so what he's saying here is in Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. Down in verse number 16 of that same chapter, chapter 5, so let your light so shine. Okay, so now we have children of God who are uh, uh, supposed to, they're supposed to be the light of the world, and they're supposed to let that light shine. Now, if we went over to Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 8, we see another, there are more, but here's another verse. But now are ye the light. You're the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we find out what my, I'm going to say my assumption was, or my proof of text is, is that that light inside of there is representative of the Word of God and also the children of God. Our Savior, you know this, was the light of the world. He's not here now. He went away and he specifically said, I go away, now ye are the light of the world. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, you do not light a candle and put it underneath a bushel basket. You do not light it and put it underneath a bed. It is lit to shine. Okay? And uh, you, do, you should take it up on top of a hill and set it up there somewhere. So what we find here is Jesus is the one who shed light upon man's darkness. Amen. That was us. Way back in the beginning in Genesis, there was darkness first and the light shone into the darkness. It's exactly what happened to you when you got saved. What happened to you when you got saved, you didn't just start growing plants and fish and set up a moon. No, there was darkness and until light shone into there, nothing happened. So the first thing that happened even in creation was there was darkness and light shone into that darkness. Man, because of his sin in the very beginning, his spirit became dark. He was not able to identify or understand God because his spirit was now, if you would, dead. He still had one, but he was dead. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God quickens 
that spirit. Makes it alive again. Now I have light. I have light, the song said, which my soul longed for. Now I have that light. So God lit up my life by his presence. So again, the light shone into the darkness. Are you following me? Okay. Now I go into a dark room and I have a lamp over here. That lamp has two specific purposes in that room. And in that room, it showed that light, shined that light over on this table so I could see this fresh bread that was laid out every day. Not only that, but right in front of there, I also see an altar where prayers go up to God before you come into the presence of God. Boy, I hope you listen to me this morning. I'm headed somewhere. Jesus is no longer here. He left you and I here to shine into the darkness of this world. We are supposed to be shining. Watch, look at me, Christian. Look at me. What we're supposed to be doing is shining so people, so people can take. Jesus said, taste and see that I'm good. I am the bread of life, he said. And so you and I as born-again Christians, are so, we're like that lampstand. We are here shining light on the word of God or Jesus Christ. And then when that happens, now we as born-again Christians go to that altar, get ourselves thoroughly right with God to be able to come into his presence. Are, are you following me? Okay, now listen very carefully. So as that light was in that temple, was to burn continually. Look at me, Christian. We're supposed to burn continually. There's not supposed to be any easing up. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, God never intended that fire and that light to dim or go out. They used the best types of oil. Pure, beaten olive oil. Nothing would hinder its flow. Nothing would stop it from moving. Nothing would cause it for that light to be inconsistent. It was just as pure as it possibly could be. And it wasn't just to add heat. It was supposed to show the light in a direction you needed to go. God never intended for that light to go out. However, the old man, Eli, the one who had been taking care of the lampstand, the one who helped put out the bread every day, the one who would also go before God on behalf of the people and put up prayers for them. He's getting old. The old man is getting old. Eli's getting old. And the Bible said that he laid himself down. He couldn't see anymore. He's kind of losing his vision. He, he, he's lost his energy. He can't quite see the way he's supposed to anymore. And his job, though, was not finished. There was something that still needed to take place. It's only finished, by the way, look at me, when God calls you home. Our job in this world is not over until God calls you home. I don't care what your job says. God didn't say when, the, when they said you can't work anymore, you retire. I quit Christianity too. Our job is not over until God calls us home. But many churches and many saints are no longer shining for God. And you know that's the truth. Those that are burning don't seem to be burn, burning very brightly. We've actually bought into the song, Let My Little Light Shine. What is wrong with letting a big light shine? Yeah, you ever wonder? There's a lot of reasons why. I don't want to even get into that. Never mind. God intended his church to burn continually till our job was done. But many churches, he said, preacher, you don't believe churches are burning? How do I know that? Well, what was the burning light in the temple for? So people could see their way onto meeting with God. It wasn't an ornament. It wasn't just there for its beauty, though I'm sure it was that. You see, the burning of the light in the temple was to give light so others could find their way to God once they got saved. 
You see, because when Jesus was here burning, it, what, what Jesus did, remember what he said he came to do? He came just to show everybody how pretty he was. That's not what he did. The Bible said there was no comeliness about him. But the Bible does say he come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? Because man started off with God. Their sins had separated between them and God. They can't pay for what they did. Somebody came and said, I can help you. I can help you. So Jesus said, look, I'm the light. I can show you the way to the bread of life. So understand, that's why Jesus said, look, I'm the light. But he's not here now. So are we to believe that a lost world in darkness can now find their own way to Christ? Do we believe that if we simply put out here on our sign, Jesus saves, that that's all that was intended? That is not the light God was talking about. He didn't say the marquee out in front of your church is the light of the world. He said ye are the light of the world. And you so let yourself shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If Christians are burning properly, men and women, boys and girls, would get saved and start following God. They would get saved and start following. If we're Christian, Christ-like, then we need to die to self, let our light shine so they can see the bread of life, so they can head towards God because you're not going to get there in the darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, we as born-again Christians need to get out of our darkness. Get out of our carnality and start. Why? It's more than just your comfort or what you like or don't like. Souls are dying and going to hell. Churches... We, we all sit around and talk about our beautiful buildings, and I love our church building. I love our property. I think it's wonderful, but the fact of the matter is people are dying and going to hell, and we're supposed to be shining. Lights are going out all over this world. We're growing tired and blind and old, like Eli, spiritually speaking. The power to win souls, the light to show a distinct path so others can follow. By the way, that's why you were created. You were not created just to have a big time in the garden. You were created so God would have someone to fellowship with, so God could have someone like himself to walk with, to enjoy all of his creation and who he is with someone like him. That's why man was made in God's image. But sin ruined the whole thing. Now we're born again Christians. And God said, you can be like me. In that, I have a body, a soul, and a spirit. He was the light. Now I am the light. I can do similar works to God. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? So what are we doing with the light God gave us? In order for people, a church if you would, to keep its fire. To keep its fire. In other words, to have the power to win souls and help people. That's the way to God right there. That's the way to God right there. In order to do that, I think there are three important things that we're going to have to pay attention to or have to learn. Number one, if we need fire, if we need light, and we do, because you can't win souls on your own. Jesus saved souls. You don't. But he sent you into the world to tell everybody about him. That's why he said, let your light shine. Why? How in the world are they ever going to see the bread of life till somebody shines some light over there? Anybody listen to me? So what's he say? Number one, make sure that your fire is started by the right source. By the right source. We have more churches springing up 
with all this weirdness going on, and yet the world is getting worse by the hour, and we're saying we have the power of God in our lives. In other words, our lamp is trimmed, it's burning, it's shining, but we're doing all of this. Then pray tell, why isn't our world changing for the better? Something's wrong. We read about Aaron's two sons over there in Leviticus. As a matter of fact, you could turn there, Leviticus chapter number uh, 10. I want you to go there right now, Leviticus. Go back past Numbers, Deuteronomy, back that way, Leviticus chapter 10. Levi had two boys. Now, Levi was the high priest of the tabernacle that we're talking about. He had two boys. They had weird names. A lot of people had weird names back in those days. Nadab and Abihu. I ever have another boy? I'm going to call him Nadab. Never mind, don't worry about it. I have another boy. By the way, by the way, these are good boys. These are good young men, and they help their dad, and they love serving the Lord. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. The devil himself can be transformed into an angel of light. Marvel not that his ministers into ministers of righteousness. Oh, preacher, then who will I know how to follow? There's a lot of strange fire going on out there. Just to be very careful. So we find out here in Leviticus chapter 10, verse number 1, here were two young men serving God, following in their father's footsteps, loved the Lord, but watch what they did. Verse number 1, chapter 10, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, this is the high priest, the first high priest in, 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 in the Bible, took either of them, these two boys, their censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered, what's the next word? Strange fire? Before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Not all fire comes from the Lord. God wanted his fire, his light, to come from certain sources. His source, not from a made-up source. Uh, go over to Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter number 16. The reason it was strange and the reason he uses that word because they did not get that fire from off the altar where God wanted to come from. Watch what it says in chapter number uh, 16, verse number 12. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. That's where they were supposed to get it from. You don't just go out and start a fire and throw some coals in there. You don't just make some. Ah, this is as good as that one. No, that's not. That's strange fire. God wants things done His way because God wants things done His way. Amen. The end does not justify the means. If a man will strive for masteries, he must do it lawfully. Amen. You're going to do it God's way, or God is not going to bless you or the work because of that. So what happens here is this: the work of these two. Stopped. As you read about this, you'll find out their work stopped. And I mean dead stopped. I know men who have started churches, schools, and other works for God. But the light they gave off and the fire that they were using was strange. And it's not of the Lord. Not my personal opinion. Listen to me carefully. Sometimes people say that's your opinion. No, no. If it does not follow the truth of God... If it does not follow in principles of God, if it does not follow the examples that God has given of a certain situation, that's strange fire. God has a way of doing things and he wants done his way. Whether it makes sense to you or me or not is beside the point. For example, you don't split a church to start a church. 
That's strange fire. You see, it doesn't make any difference who's smarter. It's what saith the word of God. Nadab and Abihu, they loved the Lord. They loved the Lord. They were working for the Lord. But what they decided to do was, I don't know why they did. You think they'd know better. They went over here and got this fire and tried to do something for God, and it just absolutely did not work. I have a question. For those that are starting churches, whatever happened to the day when a church sent you out to start a church? That's Bible. Well, I know what God called me to do. No, evidently, you don't because you're not following the rules and the principles. That's strange fire. Who ordained you, sir? You know what we're doing today? My preacher won't ordain me, so I'll go find a preacher that will. That's strange fire. That's not according to the Bible. Were you sent out by your local church? If you weren't, that's strange fire. There is a lot of... Folks, the reason I'm saying all this is because of this. Our world is dying and going to hell. We are simply switching people back and forth. They used to say this back in the 70s, but they used to phrase it this way. All we're doing is taking goldfish from this bowl and putting it in this bowl over here. We're not increasing anything. Yeah, I was going to say something smart, but I better not. Example. Do you remember back when everybody started institutes? Started their own Bible school and their own institute. They didn't have half the people we have. But it was the thing to do at the time. And so everybody started an institute. We wanted to start teaching our own people. Now you have to understand something here. Men started a school. They all got puffed up and said, I'll teach my own. There's no sense anybody else teaching them. Okay, okay. Please understand something. You better make sure you have the right fire to do that with. You say, I'm smarter than everybody else in the church I attend. You may be. Making that statement is pretty ignorant. You see what happens here is, you light a fire all on your own, you're in danger. You say, a fire is a fire. Oh, no, 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 no. Beg to differ with you. So what happened was a strange fire. By the way, what happened to all those institutes? What, what, what happened to all of them? You know what we're doing? We're pulling back to the place. My kids aren't going to go to college. My kids aren't going to go on a trip. My kids aren't going to. You know what you're doing? You're like an old mother hen. Nobody can take care like you can. Yeah? Tell me what they're going to do when they get away from you. I'm not saying throw caution to the wind. I'm simply saying there is a right fire that everybody should be following and have, and there is a wrong fire, and the Bible calls it strange fire. You see, nowadays we have people that say they have special fire from heaven. Oh, I want some of that, don't you? I want to be baptized with fire. No, you don't either because he's actually, he's actually talking about hell. If you quit listening to people tell you and go read the Bible yourself, in context, in context, he's talking about hell fire. Not speaking in tongues fire, special fire, I'm better than you fire. I got something nobody else has fire. That's strange. You know it's strange, but to fit in, we're going to make it stranger. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to start the Healing Church of America. That is strange fire. By the way, can I clear something up right here? God never intended everybody to be healed. Pray all you want to. Some people, God actually, you know, in the Bible, God actually caused a man at birth to be blind. Oh, why would God do that? The point is, he did. The why we learn out years and decades later. Bring glory to God. 
one day to bring glory to God. You say, why did God do that? I just told you, to bring glory to God. God is deserving of all glory and praise, and we're not. Whatever God does in our life has purpose, and the overriding purpose is to bring God glory. God actually caused a man to be blind from birth. So that later on, when lost people were watching this light walk through the world, look at that. Wow, and many got saved because of that. He brought glory. You see, we have people starting today, the evidence of salvation speaking in tongues. That's strange fire. That's not Bible. There is no Bible for that. Oh, y'all come talk to me later. It's okay. There is no Bible for that. I'm not trying to be snotty or, or obnoxious. I'm just telling you right now, that is not the evidence of being born again. A lot of people say the gift of this or that is proof of God. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. That's strange fire. Please understand something. Keep the Ten Commandments and you'll be saved. That is real strange fire. That is not true. There's Bible all over the place that tells you you cannot keep the Ten Commandments. That will tell you the Ten Commandments was to do nothing but to make you know you're guilty before God. The Ten Commandments were not to keep. It was to keep you quiet. Quit your bragging about how good you are because God said nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. They were given to make every mouth stop and become guilty before God. Why would God do that? So we turn to him. A church of people with the right kind of fire. Look at me. Don't just sit together and have a good time. Though I'm all for that. Honestly, I am. It's not just to build nice buildings and go, yeah, I go to that building. First of all, I have no idea why somebody come to a storefront. I really don't. But they did. Honestly, I don't think I'd go to a storefront. They have nothing to offer. We had metal chairs. By the way, I used to preach for an hour and a half, two hours on metal chairs. Oh, the good old days. We were right over on West Broad Street, and I'm telling you, from here to that second row was West Broad Street right outside the window. You think it's noisy here? Because some knucklehead across the street goes, and you think, oh, there goes that guy again. But y'all be over on West Broad Street. I had a pulpit on wheels. I take it on the road anytime I want to. Why would anybody come to a store? Let me tell you. Let me. Hey, look here. Look here. Look here. Because in those days, all we did was depend upon God. We attack this world going at, you need Jesus and you're going to get him. So we just, I mean, we just took that light everywhere we went. We would run out of the building, run out of the building to go seek souls. Are you listening? You know how this church got started? I'm trying to tell you. There was a light burning on the west side of Columbus. And I'm telling church, listen to me. It's all, a lot of that's going to change this year. A lot of it's going to change this year. It is not about your comfort or my comfort. It is about a world dying and going to hell. And our Savior, who said, I am the light of the world, said, now I'm leaving. And your job is to be the light of the world. People aren't getting saved. We're trading members back and forth. People, by the way, we need revival so bad it's pathetic. Revival is not about people getting saved. Revival is about God's people getting right. That's all it is. And enjoying being right. Any Christian, any organization, any faith, creed, 
lodge, whatever, that says, I can show you how to get to heaven, and all you have to do is do this, don't do that, do this. It's strange fire. You say, why do you call it strange? Because it's not Bible. Anything that is not done the way God said it should be done is strange fire. So, you are saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, period. Nothing else. But now that I'm saved, now that I have given the sacrifice here, and now that I'm inside the holy place, what I see over here is light, shining light on the Word of God. Amen. Now, on the word, as a born-again Christian, I need to see the Word of God. Yes. Fellas, carry yourself a Bible. Amen. Get into that Bible and start learning. Amen. Quit going to every YouTube video out there trying to find out who you like and who you don't like. Where is your home church? Amen. Listen to your preacher. That's what God gave him to you for. Strange fire doesn't come from God. Number two. I said, number one, make sure that the fire is started by the right source. Now, to keep the fire burning, here's what we're going to have to have. We have to have vision, and we have to have obedience. We have to have vision, and we have to have obedience. If a Christian or a church has no vision... I mean something necessary that says we have to do this. We have to accomplish that. We have to keep moving forward. The thing that is necessary to accomplish, look at me. Why keep going? There has to be a why. There has to be a purpose. There has to be an overriding something that says not I decorate. That's not an override. That, that's, that's a gift. That's a work. That's not a purpose. Well, I go to church because I, I, I open the doors for people. That's a work. That's not a purpose. There is something that if we didn't have doors, they all opened up automatically. What? You can't serve the Lord anymore because your purpose has been taken away? No, I still have a purpose. Look, look, I don't care. Preachers or something I can do in church. Yeah, go win somebody to Christ. Get on a bus route and win somebody to the Lord. Look, you keep hanging around here hoping one day I'll recognize you or remember your name. Probably won't happen. I can't, I can't believe I remember half stuff I remember anymore. Why keep the fire going? Why keep the lamps trimmed? Why keep it burning brightly? If there is no purpose, there's no reason for... Why was the light there? It was an empty room. No, it wasn't an empty room. The light was there to show over on the bread. And then when I get a hold of that bread, I should find myself at that altar. Why? I'm headed towards God. I want to make sure that I know His truth. I want to make sure that I'm right with Him. And now I can come into His presence. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get over us. We have got to get over us. You and I are not as good as we keep telling everybody we are. Our teenagers don't need a better self-image. They need to be under conviction and get right with God. Period. When they do that, they would say, I'm nothing but a bum and a slime and a worm and, and I don't amount to anything. And they'll feel good about it. Do you know why? Because that is real fire. Many churches and Christians alike, they don't have a heavenly biblical vision about what they're supposed to be doing. So because of that, they don't really need any fire from heaven. If you have no vision to win, we have people in here that give thousands of dollars just for a bus. Thousands of dollars. We tried to raise $2,500 one Sunday night. One Sunday night. To get a bus which is really cheap for a bus nowadays. 2500 bucks. A good bus too, by the way. 
or just man. Well, we did the best we could, I guess. Raised just over six thousand in less than five minutes. Oh, when did that happen? Should have been here. You should have been here. Look, there's several indicators of when a church is doing right. Souls are being won. Watch, watch. Giving is done willingly. Numbers in a church, a bus, whatever, begin to multiply. It's not always that way, but these are indicators. The atmosphere in here is tremendous. When, when some of you guys amen and wake up, it's tremendous. Look at your wife and say, honey, can I amen to preach at one time? Please. I really like amening. It's kind of fun. That's not strange fire. We were amening and shouting and praising God alone for charismatics. even knew how to spell those words. You do not need, if you're not going to win somebody to Christ, if you're not, buses, buses. Look, we got, we got a great big car, bunch of them out there, a big car, blue and white, big cars out there. You know how many people you can get on in one of those big cars? Well, we're not allowed to say because it gets the law, but you can get a bunch of them. You get. It's being sent out all over the world. You have to understand here. You do not need fire from God if you're not going to capture people for Christ. If you're not going to point people towards the word of God so they can get closer to What in the world do you need fire to influence people for? The fire is to produce light. The light is to show people in darkness the way to God. If you're not leading sinners to Christ and helping Christians get closer to the Lord, you don't need any fire from God. Quit looking for something special and just do what God's already asked you to do. The world is in darkness. Sinners cannot find their own way to God, and yet God's people want fire. I'm trying to fire you up now, you don't want it. Many teach false ways to God. They establish buildings and they call them churches. They have every social program and call them ministries. They have every help and entertainment possible. But never take the gospel across the street to anybody's lost. Anchor, we're headed that way. We have got to snap out of it and realize the sacrifice has already been given. We come forward right here. We got washed from our sins. I'm not talking about baptizing. We entered into here, took that, if you would, Jesus, the blood in there. Now we're into this holy place, and God is right on the other side of where that fire is, where that bread is, and where the altar is. By the way, when's the last time you went over to that table of showbread, and it caused you to go to the altar? The Bible is not just a book of knowledge. Oh, I enjoy reading the Bible. It has so many wise things to say. That's not what the Bible was written for. The Bible was written for a lot of reasons. One of them was not probably necessarily to make you feel good about yourself. A lot of churches are dying. Honestly, I, I'm, I don't like this part. I, honestly, I don't. It would kill me one day that if I'm not in this church for some reason and people thought, yeah, Anchor doesn't do anything in life. 
oh, I just died. I just soon shoot myself. I'm very much aware that everything is born to die. Your kids will. You will. Institutions will. Churches will. Everything. Everything is born to die. Everything will eventually die. But I don't want to die tomorrow. You see, a lot of churches quit challenging their saints to go into the streets and the highways and compel sinners to come in. You know what's happened? They've lost their vision. They stopped supporting one of the greatest, in my personal opinion, one of the greatest. This is why I say, get your kids on there. It's not just so they can be irritated or, or, or the bus kids cussed at them. If that's the worst that ever happens to your kids, they're going to be fine. I don't think cussing's right. Well, I don't either. I'm not saying it's okay. Where's the bus kid? Quit cussing on the buses. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying. How in the world are they going to go knock on doors and talk to people? Yeah, I had, I had a gun pulled on me three times. Not by the same person. Uh, I, w- I was threatened to be put in jail twice. Uh, my wife and some of our ladies were way down in, on the hilltop, or maybe in the bottoms, and all of a sudden they see these people running by them. They're just standing there, you know, they don't know what's going on. And so, excuse me, can I give you a track? And uh, so they're just kind of standing there. Next thing they know, some police come up with them like this. Got down behind them. What are you ladies doing down here? Uh, so when it's our bus route. You shouldn't be down here. The world has convinced us it's too dangerous to take Christ to a lost and dying world. If you were in Sunday school this morning, you heard about the maniac of Gadara. I can't believe that Jesus healed that guy and everybody said, you know, you need to get out of our town. You are ruining our business. You really want to get into it with the devil? Go soul winning. Get on one of those buses and start paying. Brother Clay had 40 plus on his bus this morning. He's not here. God bless you. And uh, 40 plus somewhere around there. Now, you have to understand something here. You cannot just want folks saved. You cannot just pray for folks to get saved. You cannot just build a place and hope people show up that get saved. That's a good vision. Now we have to work the vision. Church is a place where we work together. I enjoy coming here. I mean, I probably enjoy it more than anybody else. I love coming to Anchor Baptist Church. I, I just do. I just do. I've said in a lot of different preachers, I love me more than anybody else. Now, Chris, I want to ask you a question, okay? With all the problems and things that go on in this world, why were you saved, hold on, and then left here? Answer, answer, answer the question to yourself. Why were you saved? I, okay, I got that part. But why were you left here? Well, I left here to get a good job. Strange fire. I was here to raise a family and, and be like Jesus. Aunt, strange fire. You were left here for an overriding purpose. And that overriding, I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know something? Uh, I got a nice home. I got nice cars. got a wonderful wife. I got, I, I'm able to come here. You know when I die, all that's staying. I'm not sure about my wife. I think about taking her with me. Peter, write that part down. What am I saying? Okay, so what matters? Uh, do you know how important I am? You know, when you die, that ain't going to matter at all. You're not going to stand before God and say, do you know how important I am? Do you, do you know who you're standing in front of? You know how many, you know, you know, you know how much I'm worth? Do you know how much he's worth? 
You see, we're, you see, we're losing our vision, and because of that, we're not working the vision. Or if we still have a vision, we're not working the vision. All that really matters is, uh, have I won anybody to Christ? Have I influenced anybody, once they're saved, to live for the Lord? If you haven't, we are failing as a born-again Christian. Work for the night is coming, is what the song says. It doesn't say lay around, eat grapes till Jesus comes. It doesn't say that. I made that part up. Without a vision, the people perish. Yet if you have a vision and don't work it, you might as well not have a vision. To keep the fire from going out, you need to get a vision. Get a picture in your head and heart of God giving you power to influence people for Christ. For Christ, not for you. And then, number three. I don't like this part, but I think it's biblical. Do you know all the apostles died? Do you know most of them were killed? Do you know that? Most of the apostles were killed. Uh, even John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos that wrote uh, probably the last book in about uh, A.D. 96, 97, right around there, uh, they boiled him in oil. But that old guy just wouldn't kick the bucket, you know. And so can you imagine being boiled in oil? You didn't die, so then they exile you to an island. Man, that's adding salt to the cut, isn't it? You know what he did? God said, let me show you some future stuff since you're out here. Isn't that cool? You see, we want to be in a hammock eating grapes, drinking iced tea, somebody fanning us, and God give us a vision. Boy, we'd be great to be like the three Hebrew children once we get out of the furnace. Folks, look, it doesn't work that way. This world is dying and going to hell, and we're concerned about how comfortable we are. If it gets too hot in here, everybody hear me, he goes, whoa, whoa, preacher, whoa. You're letting me know. I don't like what we're doing right now. I'm not talking about in Granny's day. I'm talking about in my day when I got saved. Most churches didn't have air conditioning, buddy. You open it. Most of them didn't have restrooms. Uh, not some places I preach. You go out back. That was really nice when some had double seaters. That was kind of cool. But anyway, oh no, it, it was all private. So anyway, uh, but I'm t- they open up the windows. Their fans made more noise than the preacher did sometimes. You get them big box fans, and when they get out of uh, uh, balance, they, they wobble them back and forth like this, walking their way down to the altar, you know. And, and you're sitting there. Everybody's waving themselves. Everybody's trying to sit close to the door someplace, get a, get a breeze from somewhere. And the preacher, when he's done, he looks like one big sweat ball. I mean, his clothes are ringing wet. And everybody said, man, it was good to be in church. Now we have every comfort in the world, and we still don't like it. Do you know why? We didn't have a visitor. We didn't have anybody saved. Nobody's getting baptized. We didn't even try. Okay, you have a vision. You got to work the vision. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. You there? I'm not. 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel. Let me turn in your Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. I've been talking a lot here to Brother Pledger, assistant pastor and youth leader here. He's a utility man. He does everything. And uh, I've often told you, I, I still believe that, I still think America can have revival. I, I just, 
I also believe before revival comes, there's got to be a great pruning. I, I was um, in front of my house. I've got some stupid rabbits. Can I just change subject here for a minute? I think rabbits are as worthless as cats. I showed up one night. The, the day before, I had what kind of flowers I got out front. Honey? How much? No, no, no. I don't have any Daniel Lines. Oh, she couldn't take the preaching in. She's she gone. But I had uh, uh, the wave there. Um, uh, Petunia. And, and thank you. And, and they're just, <laughs> Mike heard and got on. Oh, they're Petunias. Preach their Petunias. And uh, I mean, they were just really starting to cover the ground. The next morning I come out, there was nothing there but the stems. I'm telling you, I didn't want to lose my Christianity. <laughs> then to make matters worse, somebody posted a thing there in our area and said we're having an infestation of grubs in the neighborhood. That's not talking about little beggar kids. That's talking about these little worms. <laughs> I thought, you've got to be kidding me. How bad can life get? <laughs> this is more than is right for a guy. God, what did I do wrong? I forgot to treat my lawn and shoot rabbits. That's what I forgot to do. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Turn there, please. Look at verse number 2. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 2. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see, and air they interrupted or suspended before the, for the lamp was interrupted or suspended. Basically, it's what he's saying uh, out in the temple of the Lord. Where the ark of God was, Samuel laid down to go to sleep. You're wondering if I just read the King James Bible. Me too. Miss Laura, you're a visitor. No, you're not. You're a member now. Okay. I talked to him often about both of his grandpas. Both of his grandpas have been in the ministry as pastor 30 plus years. Like marriages that stay together, that's becoming unheard of. Do you know, look at me, church, look at me. And those of you who are busy, let me give you some statistics you may not know. Do you know the average length of time for a pastor in a church now? Three to five years, max. So every three to five years, they're changing preachers or preacherettes, whatever you want to be. <clears throat> you can't build anything that way. But what happens when you've been at it that long? You get tired. Vision gets mm, maybe a little fuzzy. Physically, you're just worn. There's something that needs to... I'm not talking about me. I'm only 28 and I'm doing great. 28 and doing great. Hey, man! He laid down... You see... Eli, for all of his life, if you would, he stood in the gap. He, he made up the hedge. I mean, the, the old man by himself. He cried aloud and he spared not. That's what he did. He sounded the trumpet. He kept the lamp burning all of his life. But now the Bible said he laid down. He's old. He's tired. He's getting a little blind. He can't see. His sons who should have picked it up for him. 
His sons who should have taken daddy's place. Those in our family that were trained right should be looking forward to standing in our place one day. His sons should have been his helpers. They should have been his replacements. But they failed. They faltered. They didn't like the things of God. Eli didn't say, well, if the kids don't like it anymore, we need to change the way the temple is set up by God. Back to this revival thing. I think many people who in the past 15 years or so that headed in a new direction is a failed experiment they're about ready to find out. Number two, I believe there is a younger generation coming up that's saying, we need to get back to where God wants us to be again. It is not a theory. They're going to do it no matter who likes it. And they're going to preach. And we're going to try to ruin them by telling them they need to sit underneath a preacher, they need to go off to college, and uh, you need to settle down and study a while and prove yourself. Hogwash, wash the hog, uh, get rid of it, whatever the case may be. That's not true. Brother Cox and I were talking one day, Daryl Cox, and he said, Brother Bell, boy, I wish I'd gone to college, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, but the fact of the matter is, probably ruined both of us. I said, yeah, I probably would. Now, I'm for college. I'm for school. We have a school. I'm all for that. But when God calls you to do something, buddy, you better split. You better go do it, and you better do it in a hurry. But see, I, I, believe, I believe revivals. I believe revival in Baptist churches is going to try to show itself again. Preachers don't bring revivals, but if a preacher has the fire of God in him, it has to start there. Whether you allow it or not, still remains to be seen. But there are some young preachers. You don't even know who they are. I haven't heard of them yet. They still believe in the old-fashioned, biblical fire from God that comes off of His altar, that shows on His Word, that points our way to Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't you dare change direction. Right? All my life, I normally got in things late and got out too early. What a bummer. So you know I thought? I'm going to stay. I think I'm just going to stay and maybe one day I'll lay down and I'll die. By the way, you know what God did for Eli? Well, all of our kids, they decided not to go. I'll knock it off. You know what he did? Uh, I think I'll get a boy that doesn't even belong to you. Hey, bring Samuel and let the, pre- let, let the preacher teach. Let the preacher teach him and raise him. By the way, I ain't raising your kids. That's not what I'm saying. Time out. Been there, done that, ain't doing it again. Samuel showed up when he was a little kid. And God used that young man. It shouldn't have been Samuel. My opinion, it should have been Samuel. Logically think it should have been Samuel. It should have been Eli's boys. But they didn't care about the things of God. Thank God Eli did not change everything because his boys didn't like what was going on. 
for all you young people in here, get in line and do what's right or go somewhere else. Because we ain't changing. You're not, you're not doing any spiritual dance. I do the spiritual dance. That's it. No ribbon dances. No rock and roll. Ain't going to do it. If that's what it takes to draw a crowd, I'm leaving. Because I don't believe that's what it takes. And I, I believe in my heart. Honestly, I believe in my heart. There's got to be a time when there is a reviving. Revival is not the saving of the lost. Reviving is a giving life again to those who had life. That would be born-again Christians. I promise you, if there's a revival, you wouldn't be sitting in your chair right now going like this. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that may. Huh. Let me study that out. Huh. I just Stop it! I know people said in church because a preacher doesn't pronounce a city right, they don't listen to him anymore. Had an English teacher. Hard to tell, though. Had an English teacher in college. Oh, she was a piece of work. She actually, teaching college English, called, now Little Brown are uh, a, a two people who wrote English college English books. It's called the Little Brown Book. And uh, so we were studying all this. And when we'd have chapel, then I'd have English. Kind of took all the excitement right out of everything. And uh, so I'd go to English class, and here's the way she'd open up. So did anybody see anything was wrong with the way he preached this morning? Ma'am, is that I just want to tell you, excuse me. Is that all you got out of preaching? You know, I, I just like the guy who took over for Dr. Robson that killed the place. Oh, she was taken with him. Oh, oh, his, his language and his structure. I could listen to the man talk all day long. I just wanted to ask, so what was the message about? She didn't know. Now you listen to me. A person is not the way they should be when the things that really don't matter, matter to you. I, I just threw in some words and took out some words that weren't even there. I didn't do it on purpose. I, I can't read half the time. Say, God, he didn't use Did he use the King James Bible? That guy needs to learn how to read. Okay, both on right accounts. I did use the King James Bible, and yeah, you're probably right. I mean, so what are you getting out of the message? Anything? Amen. Are you the kind of person that says right here, you're never going to have revival this way? Honey, what, um, so Pastor Bell said this and this, so are we going to start doing that? What are you doing? Amen. I want to talk to you ladies for a minute. Look up here. Ladies, look up here. Hey! Look up here. You keep putting a gag in that guy's mouth. You keep putting reins on his spirit. By how, you know, the Bible talks about a continual dropping on a very rainy day. Did you write me this one? Trying to help him, Melissa. God said, it'd be better you go find a very, very, a corner way off in the house. You know why? She won't shut up. Lady, you have more influence than you realize. And if you use that influence for wrong, trust me, you're not going to like the outcome. 
I'd hate to meet the Lord and know that I stopped a revival in a church because I was too critical of things. I did not get my way, and therefore, therefore I'm not going along with the program. You're probably right. Before long, you won't go along with the program at all. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, God has a way of just cutting things out that don't need to be there. Eli's getting tired. Couldn't see clearly. This is what you're saying. Preacher, he, he doesn't understand. I might not be able to see clearly, but I understand. The fire of God was starting to be inconsistent and go out. Not because he didn't know better. He's just, he's just getting old. You see, what he needed was some help. I have always been taken with the young adults that God has sent to this church. I look around you. Where, where's all the old gray-haired people? Well, other than the guy sitting in the back row. Where's all the old gray-haired people? I wonder who's talking about Dan Miller. Uh, <laughs> seriously, look at this place. It is absolutely, it's always been this way. I don't know why. In the storefront, it was this way. Right after a split, God said, here, have some more young people you're going to need. Young people. I'm talking about people in 20s, 30s, 40s. Those are young people now, which means I'm really getting old. Many a good pastor has and is letting the fire go out. They're growing tired. His grandfathers, go ahead. You step into the forefront and just hold the line. Don't fight back. Just hold the line for 30 years. You just want to lay down and call it quits too. Unless there's an Eli somewhere. I'll bet that made that old man feel pretty good about himself again. I bet it broke his heart about his kids. But it made him feel pretty good when the word of God and the work of God was still going to go right on. You see, the old man was just waiting and preachers are waiting for some replacements. Not now. You know, when I got real down and feeling bad, it was like, okay, let's either help him or let's just, you know, it's that old thing I used to say, I'm drowning and you didn't put your foot on my head, but you didn't give me a hand either. Somebody struggling is not your opportunity to move forward. You see, the old man here was waiting for replacements to help him keep going, but they chose not to follow the man of God. They chose to live their own lifestyle instead of giving their life for others. They chose not to care if others went to hell or not. I'm doing okay. Yet preachers beg, they really do, which I'm not sure they should. They preach, they scold, they yell, they scream, they threaten, they do everything they know how to do. Well, preacher, I won't be here from now on. That's it, huh? That's it. Well, I disagree with you in this area. That's it? You finally found something. What about the cause of Christ? What about one of the most populated areas in and around Columbus, right over here called the West Side and Bottoms? 
What happens to all of that? Okay, just walk away from your bus route and act like it's no big deal and tell everybody, I just changed my mind. Okay, what I want you to do before you do that anymore, I want you bus driver, bus worker, runner, whoever you are, I just want you, before you absolutely quit, go to every door and tell them you're quitting. No, you quit and they come to me or they come to Dave Clay and say, where's the bus? Why is it those that don't want to live right leave and we have to answer for them? Who's going to keep it burning? Who'll take the preacher's place? By the way, that's not up to you. That's up to God. But somebody's got to be willing to be used of God. Who's going to take the missionary's place? Some of you young people in here have been called, you said so, to the mission field, and you've changed your mind already. Who's going to take the bus worker's place? Evidently nobody. Evidently nobody. I've got people willing to pay for buses, get them painted, set them all up. We're having a tough time right now finding a driver. Sit there and go like this. That's it. I know how spiritually tough that can be. No, what you are, you're too selfish. You don't want to get up. No, no, no. You listen to me. Take it on the chair. You don't want to get up on a Sunday morning and a couple of hours lose. Well, I got to work on Monday. Oh, have you ever worked? How many of you went to Bible college? Put your hand up. No, way up. I want everybody to see who you are. Did you work at, put it, keep them up. Did you work a job while you went to, 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 to uh, college? If you didn't, put your hand down. So let me get it straight. While you were going to college, you worked a job. Now, I have another question. Hold on, hold on. Don't put them down yet. While you were there going to college, working a job, did you have to be involved in a ministry on a Saturday sometime? Put your hand up. Hmm. But I guess now God just asking too much. You brag about those days. Don't put your hand up. Thank you very much. Miss Bell and I went to school. There's something else I don't understand either. You do not need 4,500 churches supporting you for $20 so you can start a church. Do you believe that's what God wants you to do? Go start one. You don't need to steal members from everybody's church to get yours established. If God be for us, who can be against us? Go do it God's way. See, I still believe there's a God in heaven. It's about time me and you begin to live like it's not me against you, you against me, and whoever wins the argument. Him days over with. Go soul winning. Get on a bus route. Help some kids. Go find a family. Or why do you need a position here, period? Why should you have a vote, period? I pay tithes here. Uh, you're probably not doing that half the time. Who's going to keep it burning so that sinners can find their way to God again? Who is going to keep it burning in your family so you can guide your family to the Lord? Who's going to keep it burning in that church, that school out back? On your bus, 
Somebody there has got to be in touch with God and show everybody there's the bread right there. Now let's get right with God on this altar and let's head towards the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we're dying. The world is coming to an end and we're concerned about who agrees with us. There are a lot of things that concern me. Some things scare me. Honestly, I remember Brother House talking about he'd hate to be confined to a wheelchair, still be alive and watching somebody else preach in this pulpit. You say, that's just pride. Whatever it is, okay. You, you've never done it, so you're just supposing. And I'm thinking, man, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? I'd like to convince myself I could handle it, but I'm not sure. But I'd sure hate to think, after all this teaching, after all we've been through, after all this struggle, it won't be because of what somebody voted for or against something. It'll be our spirituality and walk with God that will determine what happens to this church. Well, I think, okay, that's all it is, just a thought. A suggestion is just that, isn't it? Or was it a demand? Hey, I have a demand. <laughs> I thought it was a suggestion. So therefore, if somebody disagrees, it was just a suggestion, right? No, most of us, our suggestion is we want somebody to do it. That's why we sit so easily offended. We need revival. You've heard me so much, I don't think I can bring one here. Honestly, I don't. I think I can keep us walking the way we should, I think. You let me do that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But who's going to fire up your kids and get them back in line? Who's going to teach another generation not just how to go soul winning, but there's something inside of them that says, I must go soul winning. Not, yeah, I have some extra money as opposed to, I need to give more. Who's, who's going to do that? We're all getting tired. Look at us. We can't stay awake on Sunday morning. You know why? We, we stay awake too late on Sunday night or on Saturday night. We're blaming all the wrong things for why this isn't working sometimes. It's me. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When I get me right, it's amazing how much nicer you look. Okay, I need a lot of prayer. Anyway, what's going to happen to your family? Who's going to keep this fire burning? I happen to be looking, so I was looking up a church. As a matter of fact, I was looking up your uh, uncle's church. I couldn't wait. I don't even know how I got to this thing. It started showing all the Baptist churches looking for preachers. Looking for a preacher, 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 looking for a preacher. Uh, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You know why? You don't wanna do it. 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 We're too comfortable. We ain't gonna do it. Look, I'm not an exception to the rule. His grandfather started off churches the same way I did. Most people did. God wants me to start a church. There's an empty bus. We can start there. If I told you some of the places I almost started this church in, you would faint. 
I almost did it, and I almost fainted. There's a, there's a church, uh, there's a house, a, a rented house uh, down on Sullivan, uh, Sullivan Avenue, right across the street from there. There's a parking lot right here. It's a used car lot now. Right across the street, there's two bars. I thought, we could make this work. <laughs> Huge vision. Had it all plotted out. Young people, young guys turned me and said, so what was your five-year vision, your ten-year vision? Your t- Man, are you kidding me? I'm trying to survive today. Somebody has told, oh, no, I got this all worked out. Okay, great. I'm, I'm very happy for you. If I waited until I got that kind of an outlook on I never got the thing started. I first came here, I said, I need a job. First job that came open, I took. Well, I'm waiting for a better paying job. How are you going to teach your people to live by faith if you're not willing to? Living by faith means trusting when you can't see what's going to happen. $6.50 an hour. Guess what I was doing? Spraying lawns. I hated that job. Man, I did. That thing's worth in drugs. Whoo, boy. Spraying lawns. 60, 70 hours a week. Lived on the east side of town. Worked out of Hilliard. Tried to build a church down here. I was having a time. You see, it wasn't about the struggle, it was about the obedience. It's always about. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you doing as best as you can? You say you love God and hate your brother. Can I tell you something what God said? You're a liar. I didn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Oh yeah, I would. But God said it. Because God knows your heart. Ladies and gentlemen, There's more at stake here. No matter what happens to us, I'm going to heaven. Girls, sit still. Sit back and sit still. I'm up here. Hi. This church was not started so a bunch of people can sit together and enjoy one another's presence, though I think that's fine. Every opportunity we got, we hit the streets, we knocked on doors, we went after people for Christ like people used to go after us. When's the last time you even passed out a track? And don't come to me and ask me for free tracks. Preacher, I'd like to. You got any tracks? You should already have some. You should have them in your car, your purse, your pocket, your office, someplace. What have you been doing? You said, Preacher, do you win people? No. But I'll tell you something. There's a lot of things going to change. Because here's what I think. If I'm not, why should you, Right? I appreciate that standard. Thank you for holding me to it. And I'm going to accept that challenge. But it's kind of like catching up on my Bible reading. You know what I'm going to do now, right? Have you been reading your Bible? My wife always says, honey, you never mention that until you're all caught up. I said, I got it. I got it. If God is showing me, should I not share that with you? Do you know what our problem is? We have too much. We're too comfortable. We're growing tired, blind. We just want to lay down and call. It's okay. Yeah, what about your kids? What about this city? What about the future? What would be like Hezekiah? Hey, as long as there's peace in my day, I don't really give a rip. Way to go, Hezekiah. Way to think about other people. 
That's not the way this place started, and I hope it does not end that way. Are you saved? Hey, hey, are you church member? Let's say church member. I'm talking to you visitors. I'm not even talking to you that go someplace else. I'm talking to our church members. Look up here. I'm talking to teenagers who keep trying your best to fake it and convince everybody you're really saved. You're doing your best. Every time I say, hey, when would you get saved? Oh, man, come on again. Ask me about my salvation. I'm talking to Anchor Baptist Church members. Why do you have such a sour outlook on life? Hey, you put on like this. Hi. Really? Whatever happened to Zippity Do Though? I love that song. I think I'll put it in the hymnal. You saved? No time to get right. Are you saved? Right now. You saved? No time. No time to argue. No time to put up a fuss. Are you saved? You ought to know right now. You ought to know right now. I'm not saved because George Bell's a good guy or trying to live. I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why I know I'm going to heaven. You ought to be able to say that. And if you're saved and you keep acting more and more like the world, you're out of fellowship with God. Now you get on an altar. By the way, the light showed on the bread which showed you the altar. When the Bible tells you what God wants, go answer it. Staying back there at your chair like you never do anything wrong. Oh, baloney. When's the last time you even been, do you even know how to spell altar? Seriously. When's the last time you said, I don't have any fire anymore? I could take it or leave it if it came down to it. Can I help you right now? You're not right with God. It is a privilege to suffer for God. And in the middle of all this, how can you fuss about stuff? This morning... I'll just show you how God's people are. I don't, I don't mean disrespectness, and, and as long as you don't say anything, I won't either. Walk right in and go, can I turn these flowers around? Boy, those are awful big, aren't they? Wow, what's going on? Really? That's it, huh? Is that, is that what we've come down to? My mom, who wasn't even saved, had a saying. Can I tell you what my mom used to say? Miss Weaver, can I tell you what my mom used to say? My mom, little five foot two, would say something like this. Hey, look. If you don't have anything nice to say, shut up. Well, I just thought maybe they wanted, no, they don't want to know. And you don't need to tell them. Did you join in on any of the reindeer games here? Till you start doing something that matters in helping other people. As my mother would quote, shut up. Nobody wants to hear it. This is harsh, isn't it? Man. Oh, you got to get rid of that preacher. Okay. Uh, Are you saved? Please get saved today. Please. Let's pray. Father, thank you.